I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. I'm speaking today to Pete Peterson. He is the dean of the Institute for Public Engagement and the School of Public Policy at Pepperdine University. Pete, did I have that right? Yes, you do. Okay, good. Uh, Hello. I hope you're doing great. Um, For the audience Pete uh, ran for Secretary of State in California, and we are going to be talking today about some of the election issues and uh, voter fraud issues that come up. Uh, so, so Pete, can you give me a little uh, background about yourself and then uh, maybe about the race you ran? Sure. Um, I took a rather circuitous route to this uh, position I'm in now as as dean of the Graduate Policy School. I actually started in the private sector uh, in marketing and advertising for the first 15 years of my life back east in in New York and the New York metropolitan area. Uh, Went through 9-11 in Manhattan and uh, can only describe that as a a life-changing experience, which... uh, at the age of uh, about 36, made me think about what I was doing with the rest of my career. Um, That actually sent me back to graduate school uh, in politics and policy, and uh, sent me across the country, actually back here to Pepperdine, where I got my master's. And um, and ever since, I've I've been in this field of uh, civic engagement, uh, viewpoint diversity in higher education and um, and inclusive uh, public participation. Um, that work first through a bipartisan nonprofit called Common Sense California, and then 
leading an institute here at the policy school called the Davenport Institute for Public Engagement, uh, made me aware of the Secretary of State position. I got to know the then Secretary of State, Deborah Bowen, uh, back in the, i say about 2011, 2012, and uh, came to understand really how dysfunctional, frankly, that office had become on an array of measures, um, especially those uh, created by the Pew Research Center. Uh, California was ranked really in the bottom five of states in our election administration. Uh, I'm sure we can get into some of those specific categories. Yes, sir. But essentially, uh, understanding what was going on both inside that office, but also more broadly what was happening in election administration here in the state. I made the decision uh, with my wife to uh, to throw my hat in the ring. It really was, um, as I sometimes tell folks, you know, $250 and a signed form for candidacy, and you too can be a statewide candidate. You know, it's, it's really a <laughs> Pretty easy thing. Um, the hard part is then actually conducting a campaign and and trying to be trying to be successful at it, especially as a Republican. And that 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 consumed the course of of eighteen months through two thousand thirteen and and certainly into two thousand fourteen. But I I ran on a platform which was very much aligned with the work I was doing at the Davenport Institute. Uh, I remember I used the phrase that I wanted to be a, a CEO for California, uh, meaning a, a chief engagement officer. Uh, mm. that we wanted to make sure that as many people uh, were informed and could participate in this in this democratic Republican system that we have. And so that was really uh, the the cause that I was running on and continue to work on. Uh, but that was that was the race back in 14 uh, made it through the primary uh, lost in the general. It was actually a, a pretty tight race. I think it was the tightest of all the statewide races back in 14. Uh, it wasn't actually decided on election night. Um, but suffice it to say, I lost and returned here to Pepperdine, uh, where I was then asked to, to serve as as dean of this very unique uh, graduate school of policy and politics. Can I ask you about the uh, the Pew uh, survey you referenced? So California is often imagined to be the best at everything, the same way New Yorkers imagine themselves to be the best at everything. <laughs> Politicians like Kamala Harris uh, announced that California is a model for the rest of the country. But mm-hmm. In many ways, that's absolutely not true. We're very near the bottom uh, in lots of different aspects. Can you tell me a little bit about what made California, what what justified that ranking? Well, the, the Pew data was based on a number of different categories. And again, I'm going back to 2014. And can I, I, can I ask I must... if there's anything that that has made it better since then, or do you imagine that it's gotten worse? I, you know, I think actually both things are true. Um, I think there are some things I I must, uh, tip my cap to secretary, uh, Padilla, 
Mm-hmm. I would say that on our phone call where I called the next morning when I called to congratulate him uh, back in 14 in November, uh, he said, Pete, I hope you don't mind if we steal most of your ideas. And uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, that's good. And uh, And that's not a bad thing, right? I mean, as much as I wish I was that person that was putting him into practice, I have seen some things over the last seven years that Secretary Perdia has done that very much align with the platform I was running on. That being said, there are some other things um, which are not. And okay, so, so, yeah, where was California falling, falling behind? I didn't mean to kind of reroute you there. Not at all. So there, there were particular categories. So first off, the condition of our voter rolls, right? So this is... Uh, the, the list of voters that we have in the state. Um, we keep these lists by county. Uh, this was actually conflicted with uh, federal laws on this. The, uh, some of you may know that after the, the Bush-Gore election in 2000, there actually was a, a significant federal piece of federal legislation called HAVA, the Help Americans to Vote Act, which had a number of different regulations in it. One of it was one of them was uh, many states were on this kind of county by county list uh, management system where a person could move from county A to county B. People wouldn't know. There wasn't really a great central database on a state by state uh, basis. California was mandated to go to a single statewide voter roll. And here we were then in 2014, uh, a good 12 or 13 years after the piece of federal legislation was passed, and we still hadn't done it. Mm-hmm. And so the we had um, well over a million uh, what would be called out-of-date voter files uh, across the state, um, which really dinged our rating as far as the um, authenticity, I guess you would Mm -hmm. say, of our voter rolls. Uh, There are other measures, oddly, as you say, where we say California is so great at everything, including Mm -hmm. technology. We were woefully behind other states and, and in many ways still are in the use of technology in both the maintenance of our voter rolls and in uh, communicating with voters, um, providing information in digital formats, whether it's uh, voter information packets or uh, applications for the phone to let people know where voting locations are, um, well behind in that. And there were some other issues as well related to um some of the ways in which we count votes as well. Um, we all probably know that uh, elections tend to last for a long time in California beyond the original election day. And so there were some systems in place, again, on a, on a county by county basis that have become rather antiquated in mm-hmm. the counting of ballots. So several different areas. The vagaries of voting systems, right? We have, we have uh, on a county by county basis, different states use different methods of voting. Um, 
and it makes you wonder, are some better than another? There are national standards in the mm-hmm. area of uh, voting technology. We here in L.A. County, I'm sure many of your listeners who live in this area know that we actually use some sort of uh, digital voting machine in the 2016 election for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, other states are well ahead of us in the use of technology in the voting process. And it's, again, something that's been improving in some ways, but but it only demonstrates how far behind we had gotten. Okay, so I want to ask you a bunch of uh, questions about some things that are unsettling to me about this voting process, especially this year. And I guess maybe let's start with um, the changes that have been put into place due to the pandemic. I've talked about this a bit on the show before. To me, it feels completely exploitative what they've done. Um, You know, even in the middle of the summer, Anthony Fauci had said that there was not a problem with in-person voting. If you could go run your errands, if you could go to the grocery store, then you could safely go to vote. And, you know, regardless, now we've pushed everything toward vote by mail. We have replaced uh, small local polling places that are much more widely available in terms of geography with fewer, bigger places. Mm-hmm. There, it, it seems we've created a lot of unnecessary holes in the process. And it's hard for me as a California voter to feel secure that my vote is going to be properly handled. Um, so, yeah. so I guess just in terms of the COVID changes, what are your feelings there? Well, I, I may be, uh, I don't, I, I don't know if I'm in a minority or not of, uh, Republicans or conservatives on these issues. I, my feeling about where we're at, not just in the state, but nationally around changes in election administration, uh, due the, due to the pandemic is that the problems that we may see are ones of administration, not Mm -hmm. intentional corruption. Okay. Which is to say, um, as I'm, I'm, I'm sure your listeners know the, the steps taken towards mandatory, um, vote by mail, um, are ones that most States have not been a part of. We've all, we only had a few States, a couple Republican, like a Utah, several Democrat. Mm-hmm. Um, but the process of absentee ballot, which we should be clear, is not the same thing as vote by mail. Right. 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 Especially um, not universal, unsolicited vote by mail. Exactly right. Um, was um, a matter of of trying to ensure ballot integrity with by um, essentially encouraging as many voters as possible to either vote in person or to drop off your ballot um, in person. Mm-hmm. And the, sh- the shift now um, under very under very tight timelines um, with limited funding and limited experience on the part of county and state election systems um, provides an opportunity uh, and certainly makes one wonder whether states and counties are ready for this. 
Now, what mm-hmm. does that mean? It means that if you go from counties that are used to, for example, especially in even a state that's allowed uh, um, absentee ballot where you've had to submit some paperwork to do so, maybe uh, a single digit percentage of your votes that you count uh, come in that way. You're able to match signatures and, and do the work necessary to validate those vote by mail ballots. All of a sudden you go to a place where maybe maybe half of the ballots now come in this way. Maybe mm-hmm. you've gone from thousands to hundreds of thousands or millions. And now, again, you're being asked to ensure the integrity of those ballots matching signatures in ways that are now being done remotely as opposed to what happens at the in-person polling place where, Mm -hmm. as we all know, you step up to the polling place and you sign below your last signature and it's it's approved by a human being on the spot. Um, These things contribute to what I'm um, certainly cautious about regarding um, the the counting of ballots in systems where they're frankly just overwhelmed. Now, for California, um, there are counties that are ready to do this. I, I'm still in touch with county election officials, and mm-hmm. we do have some really good ones um, in the state. Um, but there are other issues. We might get into ballot harvesting here. That's um, that is literally next on my list. Okay, so we we can we can get into can that. I, can I set that up with one more question first, yeah. though? Um, because I think that'll play in. So I have uh, had the experience of a lot of people contacting me with pictures of themselves or their relatives receiving, uh, you know, two and three ballots on their own, or right. they got one and their wife has two, or. They yep. received seven because they live in a place that has turned over in terms of renters over the years. Yes. People have received dead relatives ballots. I mean, so tying this into the voter roll discussion we were having earlier, I, is the number only a million um, inactive voters? Because No, it's actually a lot more than that. It's and five million, again, right? Again, you're putting your finger on the intersection and the importance of maintaining good voter rolls. Right. There was a lawsuit um, by a DC-based organization against the County of Los Angeles. Uh, some of your listeners may remember just a couple of years ago uh, w- uh, on this issue of mm-hmm. uh, voter rolls in which um, it was found that over a million out-of-date voter files are actually just on the L.A. County uh, site. 12% of eligible voters registered. Right. Now, I want to be clear. Um, I have been told, although anecdotally, uh, what you just said there belies what I'm about to say, (laughs) that that these out-of-date voter files are, in fact, not on the vote by mail mailing list. Now, we've just moved here onto campus here at Pepperdine, but previous for the previous dozen years, 
my wife and I and our daughter lived in an eight unit building in Santa Monica. And we had the same exact experience. We we saw even in our little eight unit building uh, vote by mail ballots come in over the last few election cycles for people who had moved out years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, what happens with those ballots? Could somebody take one of those and fill it out? Um, I'm sure that's possible. It would still have to go through the process of validation um, at the uh, at the county registrar's office. But still, um, the fact that we have this situation where people are being mailed multiple ballots, um, that strikes to the importance of maintaining um, up-to-date voter rolls and voter files. Even if you just cared about the about the waste of of public money <laughs> spent in printing yeah. and mailing ballots to people who don't live in the area or don't even live, um, you know that that should be enough. And it's just really taken too long for the state um, to to be more uh, aggressive and frankly, again, abide by federal regulations on this. This isn't this isn't just state orders. The, these are federal regulations about the maintenance of voter rolls and, and we are woefully behind others. Um, well, let's yeah, let's talk about the harvesting, because I think that these kind these two subjects kind of uh, work together, because when. You know, that the fact that ballot harvesting is is legal is one thing, but the yep. fact that ballot harvesting is legal and there may be millions of extra ballots spread across the state makes it quite a different scenario to me, to my eyes. Yeah, so I think <clears throat> and I've written opinion pieces on this. Um, I am dead set against ballot harvesting. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I, and I understand that the uh, California GOP is <clears throat> now attempting to what might be called take advantage of this with with uh, various uh, independent, if you will, it? ballot boxes being created. Yeah, uh, I'm not I'm not for it when Republicans do it. I'm not sure. for it when Democrats do it. The idea that we can't as American citizens. Uh, put our own ballot in the mail or go to a polling place that we need somebody else to take it is, mm-hmm. uh, to me, an alleviation of a citizen responsibility. That I that, agree. Now, to your broader question, though, um, I also want to go to where this came from, right? This, mm-hmm. how we got ballot harvesting in California was also highly objectionable this and again i've written op-eds on this this was a like a three-sentence regulation tucked into a multi-page bill in the california state legislature towards the end of governor brown's time here as governor without any sort of deliberation of course any sort of bipartisan discussion and at least initially, was definitely intended to benefit one party. Yes. 
Now, it's not to say the Republicans aren't scrambling because those are the rules now. Right. Yeah, those, exactly. The, the rules Republicans are the rules. Better. You have to play by them. Sure. But. I think I have not heard enough of an indictment, frankly, of the Democratic Party in this state. For playing politics with our election system. Yes. yes. And it's something that. Um, I have spoken with others about uh, prospects. I'm not directly involved, but people I know that there are people weighing a possible ballot initiative that would remove ballot harvesting from the mm-hmm. state. Um, I support that totally. And again, this is something now that is being seen as trying to benefit both Republicans and Democrats. I am just dead set against this. But I'm also, I think we do need to remember the origin story here of how we even got ballot harvesting in the state. And it was something, again, I go back to those comments I made earlier about the Secretary of State. There are some things he's done that I agree with. This and the support of something like this is partisan. Mm-hmm. And we need to remove the partisanship away from election administration as East is from West. Right. To make it possible for all of us uh, to engage in in our responsibilities as citizens. Were you familiar with the uh, the case a few months ago where some people got arrested in uh, I believe in downtown L.A. because they were having homeless people forge signatures on ballots. Are you familiar with that? I'm not. Okay. So let's skip over that. Um, I would uh, love to get your opinion on the, the drop boxes for the ballots. And then to my eyes, again, that, that seems to me like a way that ballots will not get postmarked. And we have, what is it, 14 days extra in California where they can still receive ballots that are yeah, postmarked, postmarked by Election Day? Must be postmarked but, by Election Day, right, but 14 right, days. Right, but in the drop boxes, because they're not put through the normal mail process, those aren't going to be postmarked at all is my understanding. Yeah, I don't know the specifics of how those ballots collected at the drop boxes. Um, and are we talking about the ones that GOP has put out? Oh, no, I was just talking about the normal, uh, oh. the, the, the official drop boxes. I got you. Yeah, I don't I, I actually don't know how the it would be hard for me to believe that there's not a process in place to make sure. A, that the collection of ballots at those drop boxes concludes uh, on Election Day mm-hmm. and that they wouldn't be postmarked by them. I just. I just don't know. To back to your earlier point, though, I and and I know this cuts both ways, right? My my wife is a big vote by mail uh, absentee ballot person. I always have voted in person. Me too. And the reduction of polling places in the state is something I agree with you on. Is something that I think is um, is detrimental uh, to our ability to engage in the process. I understand, again, that there are uh, administrators to having all of these 
hundreds and hundreds of, of polling places that are in people's garages or the one that I used to go to was actually my polling place changed three different times when I lived in Santa Monica. Um, but it was usually walkable or at least within a mile or two. I just felt like that was the way I wanted to do it. Right. Uh, I knew my vote was going to be counted. And so this shift to these voting centers, I understand some of the administrative reasons behind it. I, I just think it's it was a it was a step away from, um, you know, folks, I would say, like us who have always enjoyed and felt encouraged by mm-hmm. uh, voting more locally. Yeah, I mean, that situation worries me quite a bit, because at the same time that they were saying that we needed to, you know, vote by mail, they were going to have fewer election centers. They allow LeBron's organization more than a vote, which is kind of a subsidiary that they've never disclosed of Rock the Vote, which is a Democratic get out the vote operation. I mean, they try to say that they are uh in promotion of voter registration, but that's not entirely it. So at the same time that they're saying that we can't vote for COVID, they decide they're going to open stadiums and arenas that we can do in-person voting at. Right. And so that has, that has really just driven me nuts. I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand the logic for that. This, the explanation for it is just self-defeating and, it feels to me like the 2020 election, especially in California, is just one step after another to open up opportunities for voter fraud. And the comeback from the from the left is always that voter fraud simply doesn't exist. And I think you would agree that that's just not true. And I would love to hear you talk about that, because. The idea that we can just say, oh, yeah, everyone knows voter fraud doesn't happen and then just move on with our day. That is not satisfactory to me. Yeah, I guess, again, I, I hold a probably more of a minority position on this. And this this was my mm-hmm. stated position when I ran for secretary of state. I, I think. Biggest challenges are on the administrative side as opposed to the. Uh, voter fraud side. So sure, sure. So and and I think we were we'd be much better focused. So, for example, how come we as Republicans, uh, how come we haven't launched a ballot measure to overturn ballot harvesting in the state? We should. Uh, There should be county by county. explorations or investigations. And you know, we have some counties that are actually Republican in this state. I know some people from out of state don't know this, but. Well, no one knows where they are, so that's right. <laughs> well, I actually, you know, I'm I kidding, I'm kidding. 40 of the 58 counties in California in my race. Mm-hmm. Now, oh, some wow. of those counties had eight people in them, you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, what happened with L.A. County and that investigation I mentioned before, which I think drew a lot of people's attention to the lack of quality, if you will, on our voter rolls, um, 
we need to be doing that in every county. Sure. Um, now, again, that's not the same thing as saying that there's voter fraud. It is the same thing as saying we need to do better at election administration if we're to sure. ever claim that we're a state that really cares about civic engagement. Um, so my my issues as it relates to civic engagement and, and election administration um, are really about bringing California's system into the, I would take the late 20th century. Um, <laughs> you know, up until up until a couple of years ago, as you know, we were voting on on when you voted in person, that that little voter thing with the pen and stuff. The ink blotter, yeah. I mean, it was something something. I mean, we were using, you know, 18th century technology <laughs> with pen and paper. Something was, about that felt totally secure, though. And you know what? Maybe I should reword from voter fraud to saying instances of election insecurity. Like these all yeah. feel like they're going the yeah. opposite direction of election security. Yeah. No, I, I, I think, think that's a better way for me to describe. Well, and I think that it, I think that's a very good way of putting it, because in some ways it 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 brings in this element of election administration. You know, I am. I am very concerned, and this isn't just for California. This is national. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cause that was my next question, actually. <laughs> yeah, I'm very concerned that we're going to see news stories in the days following the election, especially if it's close. And there, there no doubt will be close races, right? I'm not, I'm not even talking about the top of the ticket anymore. There, there are going to be close races, right? Especially at, at the Senate level house races here in California and elsewhere. But I'm, I'm deeply concerned that there are going to be a bunch of stories where, yeah, Hey, somebody found, uh, eight crates of ballots stuffed in a garbage can somewhere. Yep. Or somebody found, um, you know, a pallet or even just a few boxes of ballots in the corner of a warehouse. And you know what? This will not be these will not be examples of voter fraud. They will be examples of an overwhelmed election administration system, which will then cause us to doubt the yeah. security of our overall election system. And I think, again, we've we've tried to force so many new regulations down the throats of secretaries of state and county election administrators um, that I'm afraid we're going to see uh, we're going to see breaks in the system. Uh, yeah. Can you, can you can you tell me what the justification for the uh, for California taking so long to announce a to, to finalize their results and, and what impact do you think that's going to have? Because, you know, we've seen some states try to copy that, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. Um, I know Wisconsin's effort got shut down. And Pennsylvania, you know, John Roberts' court just allowed Pennsylvania to have three extra days to accept ballots. And I don't understand why that's okay. Well, I... 
if I'm going to play devil's advocate here, uh, sure, please do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the know, reason, like, the, the argument from the other side, uh, if you will, and it's not necessarily a side different from mine um, in in some instances and within reason, is that we've entrusted the security and legitimacy of our entire election system. Our de- the future of our democratic republic, mm-hmm. we have placed into the hands of the United States Postal Service. Yeah. Now, think <laughs> about that. Yeah. Think about that. Now, the argument that's being made to extend these dates is that, hey, We've entrusted the future of our democracy into the hands of the Postal Service. Um, We might need a few extra days to get some, you know, to get a ballot from eight miles away into the hands of the county registrar. Uh And the fact that they can make that argument is in some ways an indictment of the Postal Service. (laughs) Well, it's also, yeah, it's an indictment of the entire idea of mail-in balloting. Well, but that's not to say, again, that's not to say that there aren't people, informed, engaged American citizens that want to wait until the last possible date. I'm very sure. much in this. Like, I don't understand why people, I mean, I do understand it, but. Uh, early voting, yeah, it's a disaster. I mean, just the things that could happen. Things that are happening right now. Things that are happening right now, between now and Election Day, that might somehow alter your vote. And not just at the top of the ticket. I'm talking about, you know, things that could happen on a ballot measure or with a local council member or something like that. But there are so there are people that do that. Right. And so they wait to the very last day and then they drop that ballot into the mailbox. That vote needs to be counted. And if there is a postal system that for whatever reason um, needs extra days to make sure that that ballot makes its way over the course of a few miles, um, then I'm, I'm actually supportive of that. Now, I don't have any problem with that part of it. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Go but ahead. I Sorry. would just say... I would just say, because I I think it's an an important thing to remember. The Postal Service is in some ways saying that we also need extra time. uh, Because we're going to see so many more millions of vote by mail ballots this year than in the past. Mm -hmm. And in so doing, they're also revealing the stress that's going to be on the rest of the system, mm-hmm. not just the Postal Service now. I'm talking about the people that are going to be matching signatures on those ballots. I'm talking about, right. you know, I'm talking about hanging chads. I'm talking about <laughs> ballots up with microscopes or, tel- you know, uh, magnifying glasses. Um, there's going to be so much more of that. I mean, I don't yeah. think we have hanging chads anymore, but there's going to be so much more administrative uh, firepower, if you will, needed. Um, that I think, again, I think we're going to see 
uh, breaks in the system. But I'm not overly bent about extending things a couple days. But it does. It is an indictment of the Postal Service. It does reveal that there are going to be extra stressors on uh, county election administration systems that are going to be taking these ballots in days beyond what they're used to. Mm -hmm. And it also that it's also the reason um, why, in particular races, uh, results that look one way on election night may look different beyond. And I think sure. as we experienced here in Southern California back in the uh, 16 cycle, you know, when you had these ra- many races that uh, particularly ones in which Republicans were up on election night and four or five percent swings in the days following, it does make voters wonder about what's going on yeah so especially when you can harvest you can have you can say that these are ballots from a drop box that we were missing and there's no postmark because it went in the drop box yeah this seems like a nightmare to me and And again and it's not just about the state in voting for the presidential race oh yeah this is a way to keep small communities blue making the entire state blue so that we have this one party government right now that's keeping California closed, keeping California citizens uh, extremely restricted on what they're able to do in terms of even working. And you see this same uh, this same trend in election security and election regulations in Oregon, in Washington, in a state like New York, like Michigan, like Illinois. You know, they're trying it in Pennsylvania. Hopefully, Pennsylvania is bipartisan enough to right. not have to go down that road. But this is a pattern that I see emerging. And it seems to me like the goal of that pattern is a one party takeover of the entire system. Well, I'm not I'm not ready to go there. Yeah, maybe I'm a little paranoid, but this is what I <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm saying looking forward, you know. Yeah, no. And again, that's why ballot harvesting needs to be off the table. It's illegal in in a good number of states already. We had Republicans indicted in North Carolina for ballot harvesting because it's illegal there. It's Mm. just wrong. And that's why we need to continue to press for better election administration on voter rolls. And we need to push for better election administration on the actual voting process. Um, Can I ask you one more and then I'll I'll let you get out of here? Yeah. What is your feeling about voter ID? And to me, it feels like the argument against voter ID is always made on the basis of race. And to me, I'm like, I don't believe that black Americans have a more difficult time getting an ID. I believe that they are totally able to do that. And Mm. so to say that that's the reason we can't have voter ID, which to me seems like the number one possible way to guarantee election security. Uh, Again, I'm just like, what is the problem with doing this principled system that we all know instinctively and otherwise is more secure? So I'll say a couple things on that. One, I think actually 
voter ID is becoming less and less relevant. Um, okay. As we move to more vote by mail, I don't think we're, I don't think we're just going to go back to no vote by mail after the pandemic. You know, when we get to the 2022 cycle in 2024, some of these states that had, that frankly did not have vote by mail or had highly selected, uh, selective or restrictive um, absentee balloting regulations, I think those things are going to open up, um, which which means that voter ID is just going to be less relevant. If you can fill out your ballot, sign it and send it in, nobody sees anything other than your signature and and knows that uh, you are um, the person who filled it out, then then voter ID is not going to be um, as big a deal. Sure. Now, sure. what is big a, a big a deal <laughs> is we need to do something better than the signature system. Yeah. And we need yeah. to do something better, frankly, than even the, the, the current state of ballot design. You know, I, I've been to uh, conferences with election law attorneys and when it, when they go through their PowerPoint deck and they show me a ballot that, that that got counted versus one that didn't, it is very hard to tell the difference in some oh, instances. Yeah, you know, yeah, there's like a partial circle filled it. out or somebody put an X instead of a circle. So in one place that gets counted, in another place that doesn't. In one place, somebody had a signature from five years ago and didn't vote and then they came back and they they changed their signature in the interim and now that when they find the ballot that doesn't get counted anymore i mean this is just ludicrous yes i agree yeah it's terrible my signature so, has changed because i barely do handwriting anymore yes like my signature has changed substantially over the last 10 years so and then and then what we didn't get into <laughs> Is Go this ahead. automatic voter registration that's that's happening in yeah, California? Another ter- yes. Which, again, is not fraud, but it's a mess. You know, it's a, an administrative mess where that we've now entrusted. Think about this. In California, we have put a significant burden on the legitimacy of our elections mm-hmm. on the United States Postal Service and the California DMV. What could go wrong? It's terrible. And so, again, the voter ID issue is not, frankly, a big deal to me. Um, I understand why people argue for it. I also understand in the states where it's been used, specifically in in states where there's a significant percentage of of, uh, citizens of color, that actually that's driven up their participation, it's driven mm-hmm. up turnout among communities of color. Um, but to me, these other issues are so much more glaring, um, like how registration is done through DMV, like sure. how ballots are actually, how our vote by mail ballots are counted. Um, the vagaries and the the differences that you could see from one county to the next, even from one poll worker to another. Um, 
there's just I, what was the word you use insecurity or something yeah it just it just seems like all of these things combined trend toward a more insecure untrustworthy election process yeah yeah and you know people often talk about how california's got like the seventh largest gdp in the world like if california was its own country blah 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 if california was its own country and it was geographically located in the middle east we would look at their election process and say this is a banana republic <laughs> well and again as I said, there have been improvements since I ran back in 14, but there still are glaring, right, glaring problems. And uh, and ones, though, that I think that as Republicans and and as conservatives, I think we're always on the right foot when we say if this is going to be a government process, it better be done well. And yes. it better be done transparently and it better be done in a trustworthy manner. And I'm not, again, as you probably heard in this conversation, I just I don't think we're served on the on the voter fraud front. I think there is so much more work to be done on making sure that our election system is more secure, um, that that's really where we need to focus our energies, because whether it's starting a ballot measure on on overturning uh, ballot harvesting or pushing harder to make sure our voter rolls are um, are more up to date on a county by county, if not a statewide basis. Uh, these are the battles I think we need to fight. Yes, I agree with you very much. Um, Pete, thank you so much. This has been great. Um, hopefully we uh, can look forward to as secure an election as possible. And maybe we'll have to to. have to resume this discussion afterward. I look forward to it. I look forward to it. Thanks very much for your time. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and give it a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. So new listeners can take your word for it. You can follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at I'm your moderator. If you have feedback, you can email Hey moderator at I'm your moderator.com or use the hashtag Hey moderator on Twitter. If you'd like to support the show, search Be Reasonable on Patreon, where I'll have additional daily-ish segments in a special podcast feed of the show, as well as my writing and audio readings of those articles. You can also go to anchor.fm slash be reasonable and become a supporter there. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Be reasonable. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!